Happy Friday, everyone. I wanted to quickly jump in before we go into today's episode to let you know that this episode was so epic that, in fact, it was almost two hours long. So what I have done is I have split this particular episode into two episodes. I do not want you missing a thing. So you're going to get the first half of this episode today and you will get the second half of this episode next week. Enjoy. She loves herself with Jill Ritchie. Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. Today I have an amazing guest with me. She has been on the podcast before and I was really eager to get her back on because as I've said before, she's been a coach and a mentor to me for almost six years now. Um, She is my go-to person um, for pretty much everything that I need to work through personally and I was really, when she was on the last time, it was for the season of grief and there was so much more that I wanted to get her back on to talk about and to share her wisdom with everyone. And that is the one and only Laura Pringle. Laura, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yay. So Laura, when I'd said to you, would you come back on? It was like, yeah, there was a lot for us that we wanted to dive into, but what was really um, coming up? And it was something that you suggested. And as soon as you said it, it was like a full body guess for me. It was like, oh my goodness, we need to go here. And I think it will resonate with so many people, I think there'll be a lot of light bulb moments for people, a lot of moments where people can start to self-inquire. And also this this time of the year, sort of a brand new year, it starts to raise a lot for people where they're at in their life and their relationships. And what we're going to talk about today is conscious relationships, Laura. I want to ask you, Laura, why did you suggest conscious relationships? I just I just personally love it. I think it is one of the most challenging things. It brings everything to your door. It literally shows you all your unconscious. It's inviting you continuously into something else. You know, like I, I thought I'd done a lot of journey work individually before I met the person I had my first conscious relationship with and then my, my now husband. I honestly thought I was quite squeaky clean in my closet (laughs) which was very naive until you put another person in the mix and then you react and you press your buttons and there's ways you respond that you don't understand and there's all these things it's very you can keep yourself pretty safe in conscious relationship with yourself I think conscious relationship with another person is where all the action is at. And for me, there's a lot of misconceptions around it. I think, and when I hear a lot of people explain it, I feel like, and it's, I know everyone has a different understanding of it, but I just, I wanted to be able to do this with you and put something out there that sort of speaks to just what I know it to be and what I've found and what I think will be helpful, you know, because there's just so much missing information out there still about, conscious relating I love this and you a few things there that you said around um missing information and there's so much information <laughs> and I think that world that we live in where there's so much information out there in general that people don't know where to turn to and they don't know what's right 
And actually, a lot of the time, they're so disconnected from themselves that they're giving their power to other people. They're thinking, well, okay, because they said this, this must be true. And there's this real disconnect from what is true to them. And it keeps them out of tuning into themselves, of trusting themselves, of being able to know what feels right or what needs Mm -hmm. to possibly be looked at within themselves. Um, So let's sort of talk about what your definition of a conscious relationship is first. Yeah, okay. So I've heard lots of different definitions Mm -hmm. of it. And a lot of people talk about it like it's a destination. Like it it looks like healthy conflict and it looks like people who respect each other and it looks like this and it looks like that. And actually, I think that's a shame that we talk about the destination. It's part of a systemic problem we have, perfectionism and the shame around being human. Because actually, most of us, the majority of us, are somewhere way further back there, just, you know, doing doing our wee best with all the unconsciousness we have. So I don't think conscious relationship is a, is a destination. I think it's a journey. And so it looks different depending on the consciousness level that you're at, the amount of self-awareness you have, your childhood, your ancestral stuff. So I think conscious relationship is where we insert self-awareness between what we're conscious of and what we're unconscious of. So we become curious around why we do the things that we do, why we think the way that we do. So conscious relationship with ourselves is where we are relating to ourselves and others, even if they're not self-aware, but we are doing it with a self-awareness. So we're actually starting to try to create more of what's unconscious in us and become conscious of it. We're converting it over so it just makes us a healthier adult we can fully function we become emotionally fully mature I mean there's so many people that maybe not in everyday life but certainly in the behind closed doors you know in in an argument they can regress to like a two-year-old or a five-year-old or you know whatever it happens to be so to me conscious relationship is when you choose to insert self-awareness between what you know of yourself consciously and then this curiosity and openness to see all the things that maybe you don't understand and in relationship with someone else conscious relationship is when another person is doing the same thing they've realized that self-awareness is creates so much growth and so much personal evolution and they're rapidly evolving and they realize i want to be with a person who's also rapidly evolving within themselves you know it works differently that way so we can consciously relate to to other people ourselves but to be in conscious relationship with another person they also have to be practicing self-awareness so this means we can mess up we make mistakes there's still loads of stuff you can do unconsciously how um severe that is or tiny and microscopic that is depends on your own childhood your ancestral history your experiences like no one can measure that there's not a better or a worse but it's just two people deciding to reflect on things first of all sometimes after things have happened and and bring it back to really what was going on in that moment that wasn't about that moment and then eventually of course you become more and more aware in the moment and so you can be aware of what's really going on ultimately what we're heading to is just a 
a healthy nation of people and a healthy way of relating so that we can be completely ourselves and individual but have such closeness and intimacy you know it's it's just busting through all that unconsciousness that really sadly plays out yeah and I feel like so many people want this Mm. um, but it's almost like they don't know how to get it they don't know how to feel I was going to say safe because I think safety plays a big part and and on the surface it's like well you are safe but there's a real feeling there and you mentioned um, your own stuff potentially from childhood or ancestral of what you've seen or witnessed or something from 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 um, that's been passed down almost mm-hmm. like energetically emotionally you know um, and so someone doesn't maybe understand how to have a conscious relationship because mm-hmm. the safety within themselves so when we go underneath it's like I know I'm safe but it doesn't feel safe it doesn't feel safe to be my whole self and from from obviously people I've worked with everyone wants it everyone wants it but it's like how do I get it how do I get it so what we could maybe start with is recognizing where you're not in a conscious relationship because I think a lot of people and this is myself included in the past thought I was in a conscious relationship because I felt safe externally like I had my armor up felt like I'm okay you're you're close but you're not too close you're you know I've I've got a bit of armor here so if it all goes to shit I'll be all right because I've built up enough (laughs) armor here you know And also, you know, I won't take shit or, or and this is just for me, but other people are, you know, can have the opposite. What yeah. typically tells a person, and again, this is not for, you know, to shame anyone, but just a little mm-hmm. bit of self-inquiry, what are typical ways that someone could recognise that they're not in a conscious relationship, do you think? It's an interesting quen- question because it's, I was like, sometimes asking people to be conscious of what they're not conscious of yeah. so I always just say I think like this is where we have to be open uh-huh. to just self-inquiry and look at the ways we can inquire into ourselves, right mm-hmm. and be more fully connected to ourselves because you're right whatever we are right now is our version of connections the way that we relate it's how we think things are but actually what most of the time self-awareness shows you is that actually well, you know, say mentally, I didn't realize I was thinking those thoughts and therefore believing this about reality. And you start to notice that actually, oh, this isn't actually reality, the way that I've been thinking. This is just the way I've been thinking reality is because I believe X, Y, and Z, right? So self-awareness starts to tear apart at your idea of the fact that you just get your body and your brain and everything inside of you, emotions, interpret reality completely accurately. That's not true. Emotionally, we can react to something that isn't reasonable. I'm sure we've all done that before. We can think something's happened that isn't necessarily where someone's intentions are at or what's actually happened, or physically, we can be having lots of reactions in our body, like a clenched jaw or like labored breathing, somebody's eye contact. We've all been in 
say a, a conflict with somebody where their eye contact disappears or you notice your eye contact disappearing, you know, or you shutting down in yourself or raising your voice. So unconsciousness is when we're creating some form of suffering that tends to push people away or make us feel alone or like not have enough space. It's basically, I think, any any form of self-awareness, the line that you find the unconsciousness is always where you find the suffering. It's always where you find the pain, right? So this is even including if you say, my partner always does this and they're the big problem and they're the issue, right? There's, there's, that's not what consciousness looks like. Consciousness looks like understanding uh, another person and being curious around why they do what they do, but you're not injecting making that personal, right? And when you've got a long-standing narrative or programming that you put over your partner, of they do this, that's very different to just a factual. Oh, my partner, this person struggles with this, mm. or I've I've left that person because we weren't on the same page around this. Like consciousness is very peaceful. You still deal with stuff, you still have boundaries and lines, and you still have difficult conversations, but there is just, there's such a peace that can be found inside ourselves. So every time I'm suffering, every time I'm in this, you know, inside myself, you know, the one, right, where you're like, oh, I'm so mad at this person or that person or whatever, or you're shut down, or you see physical behaviors, right, like, Suddenly, maybe somebody wants to go out for the night or you need to crack open a bottle of wine or you start binge eating or it's our relationship with people, with food, with all the things around us, you know, when things are peaceful and calm and in sync with what feels really good and healthy for us, then there's consciousness there. There's unconsciousness in all the other creeks. And there's an amazing amount of it when you look around, right? It's everything else. (laughs) So actually... All of us have to look at this, at every single one of us. Yeah, I love that you said all of us do. And I, I, I truly do believe that. And I also feel, and just from experience, that mm. taking that responsibility myself, but w- what I've done in the past is assumed all responsibility. Oh, it's me that, yeah. you know, it's me that feels this way. And and actually, there's there's two people, you know, sometimes more, but say it's a, a relationship um, where there's two people together. Um, we Whilst we need to assume responsibility for our part, do you feel that individually? Because sometimes someone might listen to this and think, well, yeah, I'd love to do that with my partner, but he doesn't want to talk or, or she doesn't yeah. want to, you know, deal with that. Um, yeah. They don't know how to, they're not great with communication. They push me away. How does someone work through that when maybe the other person isn't, doesn't really see it or really scared to talk about it or not a great communicator? Do you feel like it's just once you work with your stuff, Laura, then it naturally starts to, as a byproduct, it, it, it works itself out? Or what's your thoughts on that? Well, that's, it's a really good question. Let's take the example of somebody shuts down and doesn't want to talk, right? And you know that talking is is one of the ways we can solve things. You know, you can put things under the rug, can't you? But healthy communication is important. Not over-talking or dissecting every single thing, you know, but a healthy level of talking about things and, and opening up is essential for 
intimate relationship. We need that for connection and healthy relationship. So if somebody's shutting down, the difference, I would say, of, of say like me unconsciously before is having a reaction inside my body that's my nervous system deeming this person is not safe because they've gone somewhere. I can't reach them, right? So I'm trying to prod them, not physically, but just like, you know, like, why are you shutting down? Like, oh, you're not saying anything. Oh, great, like silence, you know, or whatever you could have done that's really unconscious. A conscious version of that is when we have this connection to ourselves and if my nervous system does feel in any way like it's moving from connection to protection, right? So this is things that people can look up is nervous system regulation, having a healthy regulated nervous system. Um, a lot of people can be hypervigilant or hyper or hypo states of arousal permanently instead of this nice window of tolerance where we can look at a person who shut down and say this person right now is really struggling within themselves, right? And so we can look at that. And first of all, I, I would say to myself, you know, have I done something, not blaming myself, but just have I done something is the way I'm communicating or talking like a struggle for this person or what's happening for this person. So I would, first of all, be curious, right? So this means you can't be on the protection side of your nervous system. Like, why are you shutting down? Oh, you don't want to talk about this. You never want to sort this. That's attack. That's a form of nervous system dysregulation, right? So that's not a safe nervous system. So I'm safe in myself. If I'm safe in myself and I feel okay and I can manage, if I can't, I need to manage myself, right? It's not about the other person. I need to focus on myself if I can't cope with someone that's shut down. But if I can and I can remain calm and I'm okay with it, I can be curious and say, I can see you're struggling. I can see the eye contact's gone and feeling a wee bit shut down, you know, what do you need? If you can't get anything from that, then we can keep coming back to this conversation of, I notice this is something that keeps continuing to happen to you. Are you willing to have a look at it or talk about it? If somebody isn't, if we can give them space, if we can take all the lessons that we can, like, cause the way I see it is I can't control the people that come in or the childhoods yeah. they've had or all the responses they have. But what yeah. I can do is take the invitation into what does it bring up for me and really know that it's mine. Really, I never used to know what was mine and what was another person's. Yeah, I was going to say that. How do you know what's yours and, and what's not? And also, like, assuming mm -hmm. responsibility. Because I think often if it's someone who wants to sort of work through something, how do they not assume responsibility for all the other person's stuff to try and, okay, I'll keep holding yeah. this or I'll keep doing this for you. I'll keep, you know, when yeah. is it, where, where's that line then, I guess, Laura? Yeah, well, this this line is actually now so obvious to me, but it never was before. It was so confusing before. And now I'm like, how could I not see it? Like, there's a line. It's just like, I'm not responsible for this other person, ultimately, right? Especially if I'm in an adult relationship. This is different if it's children. Conscious parenting is different. We're talking about adult to adult relationships. I'm not ultimately responsible for this person, but I am responsible for what's coming in up for me around what this person does. But separate to that... Right. It's not about continuously holding the space after a while you realize. And OK, so if I really do know I'm not responsible for another person and I'm just here to be true to myself and, you know, that's we're trying to relate. There is only so much I can push this person. And so after that point, it's not about talking to that person or getting that person or putting up with something or perpetually holding space. It's about just asking myself quietly, is this what I'm wanting? Mm. Is this OK with me? 
do I see this longevity in that, in this partnership? Is this still what I want? Because see, with um, me and my now husband of nine years, we've gone from one place to a completely different place with each other along the way, you know, of, of just all the things we've discovered. And every single time he's been worth it because we have an amazing time and he's such an amazing laugh and we really enjoy each other's company and it's just amazing, right? The good stuff is just so good. So when there is bad stuff, when there's conflict or when there's like, you know, egos clashing or when there's some unconsciousness coming up and playing out, it's always remained worth it, right? Because I've taken the invitation to grow inside myself so first of all, I'm always getting something from it because I'm always growing. So yeah. like you're always, you're not holding that much resentment. And then secondly, when you're left with the stuff that they're doing, they're not doing. In partnership, when you just continue evolving in yourself and if eventually that means evolving away from that person, well then kind of so be it. You know, not in a horrible way, but you're just understanding that, well, there is only so much I can do around that. And I'm probably not going to continue to keep being drawn to that person. And so I'm just going to keep noticing where I'm drawn. And when I'm not drawn, I'm, I'm going to just healthily end the relationship. It doesn't have to be a personal thing or a blame thing. It's just different people are willing to work on themselves or aware of themselves or not aware of themselves. You know, they're not oh. here to kind of wrestle with people. That's part of this sort of codependency we have. Wow. You know? Yeah, as opposed well, I to that. Codependency, yeah. I think there is this um, real fear for people as well of ending relationships. Um, and I, yeah. I, I know of relationships, you know, in the past and even you know around um, where people are together, and there's there's so many things that seem to be really missing for them. But the biggest killer that I see, I'd love to hear your thoughts, killer is a bit of a dramatic word about you, but is the communication or lack of. People really struggle to sit down and have that conversation. And I'd love to know, like, why you believe that is, Laura, because it it, it is, a, when I think about anyone I've worked with, even myself, communication is the biggest hurdle that people really struggle to sit down in that discomfort and be like that and express how they feel this real you know fear of communicating with each other I see men struggle to do it with women I see women struggling to do it with men and asking for I guess their needs to be met and so they don't so they don't talk they'd rather you know you mentioned like not out watch a movie sometimes they'll they'll they'll, um, meet other people like adultery can happen and they never leave the relationship but there's this almost this codependency I need to stay here even though even though we don't really talk even though we you know we've drifted apart we're not intimate why do you think that is Laura why do you think people have this real codependency this like I can't leave belief and they stay together maybe longer than they they should maybe yeah well there's let's acknowledge the other side as well so there's the side where people don't talk about things and they don't invite themselves into healthy conflict Um, and we'll explain that in a second but there's also the place where uh, two people can also get really fiery and do nothing but 
make love and then have arguments yes. and fights, right? Yeah. So, so this is, you either get one fiery person and then one sort of avoidant of conflict, um, or you can get two avoidance of conflict, right? Or you can get two fires. Two fires will keep having these fights and it's hard to, you know, like be in and those can burn out. They can cause a lot of damage, but ultimately... Uh, those people if they can manage the way that they have conflict then they'll do great same with people that avoid conflict right and one of the reasons that we avoid conflict inside of ourselves is first of all we have to be connected to ourselves first and foremost right what we're thinking what we're feeling and, and what physical sensations are going on particularly how our nervous system is responding to situations so if we've not experienced times where we've been um, upset or dysregulated as a child and a parent has not come in to, to help regulate us um, or we've been punished for being sad or we've been punished for being angry or we've been punished for whatever it happens to be or we've been ignored I mean there's a million different reasons we all have this relationship with um, ourselves and therefore other people right so if we can truly be ourselves in a relationship then we can voice what we're thinking. We can voice what we're feeling. We're not as attached to the other person and how they're responding to it. Or we're not doing these codependency tactics of like, oh, well, I know they're going to get angry. There's no point saying anything. Or this conversation never goes anywhere anyway. Or like, I wouldn't even know how to say it. It, it, it is a big sometimes leap to have these conversations. But when we can start off by connecting with ourselves. Who am I? What do I feel? What do I need? If I'm not putting it onto my partner, but more just like, you know, have I got me sorted first? And then, you know, the partnership after that, for avoiding conflict, then one of you has got to break that cycle. And if you invite yourself in to break that cycle, you say, I want to sort this and fix this. I don't want to float along like this. You know, please do therapy with me or you know maybe you do have to go to leave them before they're going to do that you know like sometimes they don't think you're going to go yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so at other times it's just being able to gradually insert that like if we're not going to be able to talk about these things then we're not going to be able to move forward you know I want to feel closer to you it's just healthy communication around it when we don't know how to have healthy communication that's something we're not taught we're not taught to manage our emotions in mm -hmm. school or any other place in life. You weren't taught about emotional intelligence. You weren't taught about healthy conflict. You weren't taught about expressing yourself. There's a million reasons why people avoid conflict. And they're all to do with things inside of you. Yeah. So we don't point the finger at your partner and don't blame yourself. Just look at, you know, what am I feeling? What would I like to communicate? Mm what's mine and what's theirs you have to find the line between you and other people this is really big because then nothing's personal now when things happen around me it's a really large amount of the time where things aren't personal so yeah. I'm just curious to another person but in the back of my mind I'm really aware of well does that mean I want a relationship with that person or not or what does this mean for our relationship you know these things are kind of like gathering as we go well there's a lot of us like you end up in a relationship so far down the line and then you're like oh now we've <sighs> got to have 
these conversations? Yeah. Where do we start mm-hmm. with this? And also sometimes by then we've distanced ourselves from the person or we've protected them off or we've got these ideas in our head about them. We've got our narratives. We've played out self-sabotage. We've got these patterns and ideas. The best thing you can do is read up on conscious relationship and these patterns. One of my favorite books is called Conscious Loving by um, Gay and can't remember someone Hendricks but it's called Conscious Loving and it just when I read it I remember it's one of the few books I've read on conscious relationship and it just went through point by point all the different things that can play out in relationships the patterns and it really invited me in to look at myself and the things that I do and then also I think boundaries for me was the biggest thing around being able to deal with other people Mm. because it's this difference of I might want somebody to open up or be really loving or be a certain way but we can't boss people about can we Mm. but then we also don't want to lose them right so we don't want to lose them that's the entryway we go in is I want to be with you I want our relationship to be amazing and also think about like what I can create within that and also how can I you know invite my partner in to opening up the best that that we can and just Mm. you have difficult conversations Mm. if you don't know how to do it just go and get a therapist just read up on it if you're not good at something or you really want to save this relationship if you if it's got a chance you would really like it to work then just go hard at it it's the same as everything I've ever done in my whole life like you just got up in the morning it's on your mind watch that podcast listen to that you know, read that book, do those things, find find all these lines. Get help with it because I think people just want to, they, they want to avoid it so much that they're not really living like in this, it could be so much better. And I yeah. think a couple of things that you picked up on there was the nervous system stuff, like the nervous system regulation work has been a huge thing for me. Um, and we need to have that nervous system that, that that is regulated so that when that fear or that emotion is starting to come, you know, to, to present itself in our bodies, we can actually be with the discomfort of that and know that we're not going to die. <laughs> we're going to be okay. And yeah. And not overwhelm yourself. Uh-huh. Not in, overwhelming in yourself. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. you know, conflict is not about, it's not that we don't want to talk usually. It's that we're fearing the person's response. Yes. Our nervous system has a response. or Because it's not about that person in front of you. I guarantee you as an adult, it's not about that person in front of you. It's about, in that moment, the idea of something that's actually, most of the time, all the things that I've ever, you know, because we're all imperfect and there's stuff that we all do. But what I've realized is ultimately it's so, in, it's not personal, none of it. And there's really lovely ways we can deal with things. And this is just a way of finding our language around the truth. There's so much of the truth that we do not speak. And I mean like um, truths as in looking at the situation accurately, right? When someone says, oh, you just don't care about this conversation or me. That's not a truth, right? You can't tell someone how it is for them. What you're saying is, is, is I'm feeling sad right now or I'm feeling a certain way or, you know, like you can just... You point it back to I and just keep expressing yourself. And just, I think as well, trust your intuition on this as well. 
because especially if somebody is avoiding or they're pulling back or they're not stepping up in certain ways a lot of the time we don't have a lot of language around talking about the missing parts that people aren't playing or fulfilling for themselves so therefore not with us in our intimacy sometimes we don't know how to to word that you know so we have to trust our intuition and what I always say is is if you're worried or there's fear in there and it's a very physical thing is first of all just imagine going to have the conversation and notice how you feel like really notice how you feel if you're overwhelmed there's no point going into a conversation you maybe can't have one just being able to say I want to talk to you about things but even just the thought of having the conversation is quite scary is a conversation yes it's the beginning of a conversation so sometimes you just I, I found the best thing you can do is just get in tune with yourself because there was so much I did lots of mindfulness and mindset work and belief system stuff and that was great um, and I would think positive and I would think a certain way and I would want to do a certain thing. But then sometimes my body wouldn't comply mm-hmm. or emotionally I'd dysregulate yeah. or all these things. And what I eventually had to realize is, is that I had mental awareness and I had some emotional awareness, but not as much emotional maturity or control. Right. Like I, I was feeling the feelings, but they were, you know, I was awash with them. Um but I hadn't got any physical self-awareness. I hadn't realized how disassociated I was. You know, it was one day while I was cuddling my cat and I was like, um, I'd read a book on trauma and they were talking about the physical body and building physical awareness. And I was like, oh, I'm so in love with my cat. And I was thinking, oh, I'm so in love with my cat. And like the, the, my mind and my emotions were so in sync. You know, my body, I felt nothing. And I was like, whoa, like, okay. I was like can I feel that love in my body and then I felt that love in my body and I was like oh wow I've just been kind of like dragging around this yeah. you know, dead thing and not been aware of it and then that's when I started to realize it's not that I'm not mastering my mind it's not that I have to work harder at bit and better thoughts it's not that I have to you know be ashamed of these feelings and these ways I'm reacting whether it's shutting down and, and not finding your words and avoiding or whether it's you know shouting yelling whatever it happens to be there's things that happen inside our nervous system where we move from a place of connection where we can have a healthy conversation where we can be logical and rational where we can you know put what we need on the table where we're not as bothered about how other people are receiving it but then when our body perceives something that it classes as a danger a threat a reminder of something in childhood it can be anything right smells colors it can be the words that are being said a familiar pattern we we click over into protection and that's when you shut down to protect yourself right you're preserving yourself you're going into freeze other people start yelling and screaming or fighting or i'm leaving like they you know these patterns that start to play out because ultimately we're rather attacked than be attacked or feel vulnerable or we'd rather guard ourselves than feel vulnerable this is all about being able to be with yourself when your physical body and your nervous system is becoming dysregulated and I don't think as many of us realize that should how much having a handle on your nervous system makes a difference in your relationship for sure and to your emotional maturity is dependent on it your ability to open your mouth and be able to speak is dependent on it we have to to do this you have to cultivate physical self-awareness right so when you wake up in the morning it's all like we can be self-aware of like what kind of thoughts am I thinking 
you know, or what emotions am I feeling? How do I feel? But then there's also like physical sensations. What are my physical sensations? And you want to keep a track on them because over a time you're going to get this understanding of them. I always used to get tension or a sore back or I always used to get like certain things that would happen physically because emotionally and mentally I wasn't registering there was a problem because mentally I was just, you know, avoiding. Um, and so emotionally I was just numbing out. But physically my body was saying, hey yeah like there's a problem yeah <laughs> reacting to something you know but this mm-hmm. is the way we can tell in a relationship when this is there eye contact changes so you you move your eye contact from connection is direct eye contact we don't feel the need to remove it i'm not talking like a weird stare with no blinks right that's the same <laughs> natural blinking normal healthy connection and you know emotionally we can have a feeling like sadness or anger but ultimately we also feel a peaceful sense of being able to contain it and hold it make room for it pass it through us right so it gets finished off some people's trauma meant that emotions didn't get finished off or they got told off for their emotions and so they click off at a certain point with their feelings so then they build or they don't know why they're mad or they're putting their emotions in the wrong place or, you know, there's all these things that are playing out that are about how we're wired. So you're either wired for connection or you're wired for protection and protection is going to be argumentative or shut down or instigate a problem. It's these things in relationships where like you always argue on a Sunday or you always have this thing and it always happens before this moment or the age old argument, you're having the same one time and time again. That's not about the thing that you're arguing about. It's got nothing to do with it. It's about understanding these patterns that we play out on our partner. This was this was so huge for me, is like actually stopping projecting it onto another person. And some people project it onto themselves and they're always to blame and it's always my fault and it's the way I said it and the way I did it. Right? Mm. But I was always like, it's the other person is the problem. Mm. And when I actually just looked at the familiar themes and stories that I was playing out, it was just stuff I'd learned. It was copying patterns from childhood or what I'd seen in relationship before. And when you actually realize that's just a pattern and you took it off, it just made it less personal and you were able to regulate more healthily. But I think the biggest shift for me came when I cultivated physical awareness because I realized, wow, I'm making myself sit in a conversation right now, trying to say the right things, trying to bite back my anger and suppress all my feelings and still trying to be the nice guy because I don't want this person to react in front of me. And like right now I am totally overwhelmed. That was the first time within a week of that cat incident, I started being aware of my physical body. And what I realized is, is wow, you are trying to be something for this other person. You're trying to make sure they don't get angry. You're trying to make sure everything's okay. You're managing the situation because you can't manage yourself actually that's the truth of it and so I was trying to be something but then the other person knew this as well right people pick up on it they're not daft so I started saying right what can I do and you have to figure it out yourself you know I was going in blind I was just like okay I I I think this is overwhelm right so I, I need to just actually just face that I can't have a whole conversation and not shame myself about that not be like you should be able to stay here and have an adult conversation and listen oh. to this person and be, be you know, open to what yeah. they're saying. No, it's okay to say, 
I'm so sorry. I'm triggered by what you said. I need to call a timeout, right? So some couples, what I advise them is just do this because you can't sometimes say the words in a good way. You know, they don't come out in a well way if you're in protection. Let's be fair. You always just put a comment in there or something. Just time yourself out. And we've got to give people space. I was anxiously, you know, so we have relationship attachment styles. I was anxiously attached. I didn't get how people could go to bed on an argument. I didn't understand why people don't want to stay and have this, you know, conversation. I didn't realize how, how much space in relationship is important, not just in conflict, but in general. A lot of couples, some of the arguments that they have are about because they've needed space. And so they create an argument to create it. Yeah. We need a healthy amount of space in relationship and we need a healthy amount of connection and intimacy. And it's, it's not knowing what we need and being able to verbalize it. And then also understanding like I said, our nervous system is like, how am I actually really feeling? What's really going on inside me? And for me, I had to walk myself from where I thought I was in self-awareness and how conscious I thought I was all the way back to where I really was at going, wow, I get overwhelmed easily. I can't, I've got to stop and start these conversations. You know, yes, it's probably frustrating to the other person, but I have to do this because I have to give myself the room to just not be overwhelmed, like stop before I get overwhelmed. Say I'm starting to get overwhelmed. So, you know, maybe we'll shut this down and come back to this conversation in 15 minutes. Realizing when I couldn't come back after 15 minutes and being able to say, I'm so sorry, I can't have the conversation. But, and this looks different for everyone, right? Because some people, it's a lot longer. They need to regulate. Some people can come back and bounce back very quickly. This is not a competition of, well, I can come back. Why can't you come back? Or, well, I do this, you don't. We've, we've got to understand everybody's wired differently. And this is about respecting how your partner is wired and mm-hmm. respecting how you're wired. And ultimately, you're responsible for yourself, not your partner. I used to say, well, if you can just not do this because in this, I used to concentrate on what he could do differently. So I would be okay. That's no, that's not okay. You have to, no matter what other people are doing around you, you have to get to a place where you can be in situations and know when to remove yourself from situations, Mm. but be looking after yourself. And ultimately you build resilience. Now I can be in conversations for for quite a long time, even with a really triggered person, and I can be perfectly fine. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't mean it ends in well resolution. That takes too long. No, that's the thing, because it might not always, I guess. And what I guess it doesn't maybe need to be mindful of as well as whilst they 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 can um if the other person is not doesn't have the emotional maturity or capacity often what can happen with the other person is them projecting a bit of gaslighting perhaps and oh you're crazy you go back to your saying about really tuning into your intuition but I guess when someone feels vulnerable they're working on their nervous system they're starting to open up they're wanting to have those conversations and maybe the other person's doing a bit of gaslighting because it's coming from fear right it's like oh no you're crazy like what's the matter with you oh no you're weird that's weird then the other person's in like oh god am I am I mad like is this all me yeah. and- can get really like tangled up and messy where that person can be left thinking well they're saying it's 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 me so maybe it is me and when does someone know I guess going back to the nervous system work doing enough on yourself where you're able to hold your emotions and understand but when does someone recognize actually 
this is yeah. this, this you're you're actually gaslighting or this is the way you yeah. know you said the word actually you said entangled right yeah. entanglement is what we you know the difference of entanglement versus um when you're in a, a conversation mm-hmm. or an experience with someone when you're feeling connected to them you're on the same page it feels good like you might agree to disagree you might even have a completely different opinion to them but if you're self-validating and this is the most important thing a lot of the time I was going off what other people were saying and trying to fight them on it or argue about that thing that they think I don't argue about what people think anymore I just tell them what I think and I validate myself and not to the point where I bull crap myself about you know like being right I'm literally just sit down and say is there any truth to what they're saying like is there anything in there could there be anything unconsciously I'm projecting I check in yes and if there isn't then I validate myself and then what I also used to do when I was practicing because at first I wasn't good at this I would get entangled I'd be like well is it me is it them what part's them what's me you know like what's the projection what's not where's the line between them and me, what I can say and what I can't, like, what do I do here? I feel stuck, but I can't have the conversation with them. You know, all this, this is just all entanglement. When you feel like that and you can't find the line, you're entangled. So this means this process of being able to find the line between you and another human being, right? Really, because this is all we need is the conscious relationship with ourselves. Everything else is not needed. Conscious relationship with two people is wonderful, but you do not need it. And you won't get it all the time because we all do things unconsciously. And so it's important to self-validate. We have to validate ourselves. So at the start, when I was practicing, what I would do is I noticed one day I am actually upset because this person has an idea of something that I've done. And I'm crying and fighting back, like, no, it wasn't like that. I wasn't doing that. And I'm like almost begging for them Mm. to have a different opinion. I was like, what am I doing? Like, just can I just separate between me and them for a minute? And I just said, give me a second. And I sat there and I thought, right, have I done what they're saying? Is this, you know, what is true and what is not? So I sorted through it. And the minute I did, all my emotions, all this disappeared and turned into calm because I validated myself. That's what the reaction really was. It wasn't what they were doing. You can blame it so easily on other people. It's not other people. When there is these uh, little reactions inside of us or any form of of thing going on inside of us, we look at ourselves. So when we self-validate, then I would say, okay, Laura, oh, sorry. My background's doing something very interesting. Yeah. Um, I would say to myself, okay, I'm, I validated my opinion on what's going on here, but if this was a healthy conversation right now, how would I respond and how would this person respond? And before we had the conversation, I would say what I was going to say, right? Like, is like, look, you know, I, I, I've tried to look and see what you're saying. I'm not aware of it. Maybe if you give me more information, we can talk more about it. But that wasn't, you know, what what I saw. This is what I saw. And then the person would say, ah, okay, that's how I interpreted it. But I understand now that's not, you know, what you were actually doing. Like, this is my projection. And this is when it is the other person's stuff, right? Mm. But then when the person had a different response, I would say, well, that's, that to me, not like a fixed idea of what healthy response is, but I would just 
validate myself that there's a world in which a healthy response can come. Because for me, that was important. Otherwise, all you're going off is what's in front of you. And you feel like you have to keep putting up with that. And in actual fact, it's healthy to see somebody else's unconsciousness. It's healthy to see where someone is projecting. It's healthy to see when someone's, you know, got something that they've either got a point on and you can keep listening into it. Or eventually it just becomes so clear after them explaining it so much that there's something that's on their side. And it's not your business if they do or don't get it whether they realize or not, it's just, I have tried to look at it as much as I can. I can't, it, you know, I don't resonate with it. You know, like, would you consider taking that and, you know, considering it yourself? Yeah. And if they're not trusting yourself with that, I guess, again, the more you yeah. connect to your body, Laura, you're going to, and, and build that trust within yourself. You're not seeking the validation from anyone else. And it's not always an easy journey to go inward to really connect to yourself because we start to unlayer a lot of stuff. Um, And I know for me, I I said at the beginning there about the conscious relationships. Like I I remember I worked with someone years ago and she said, like, I've told this this story before about, she said I was a frog farmer that I turned princes into frogs. And it was a bit of a joke, but it was more like I was, my belief was, well, I'm in a relationship with guys and it's and and then they try and sort of control, get a bit like put, like controlling and then I'm like, I'm not putting up with that. I'm out of here and then I check out. But the truth is I probably checked out before that, you know, in reflection mm-hmm. emotionally. And it would always be, I would wonder why it was always all right for the first couple of years, the honeymoon phase. And then it would be a bit like, oh, I, oh, I don't really want this person near me anymore. And then they would obviously, and as I see it now, they would pick up on that, that I had checked out emotionally, but they couldn't put words around it because they, but they felt it. So then maybe try and put me down a little bit. And the minute they did that, I was brought up by a single mum, really strong sort of woman, you know, and it was like, don't put up with shit from men. It was like, the minute they talk down to you, you're like, bye. So, and I wore that as a badge of honour. Yeah, I don't take shit off anyone. But as I sort of unlayered over the years and sort of through working with yourself a lot, because, you know, you've really supported me on this one. And I'm still working on it, if I'm honest, because I I didn't, um, I realised that there was so much that came and I didn't ever think it impacted me coming from a single parent family. I always thought my mum did such a great job. What she did, I didn't think it impacted me not having a male figure around. Yeah. And I, I genuinely stand by that. I didn't think it did until I did, it did because yeah. I didn't feel really safe around men. And my, my belief, and there's so much more to this, guys, right? But when I started to unlay over the years, there was a fear around being vulnerable with men. And it was, um, I didn't feel safe to really allow myself to be fully seen in all of who I am and who I be and all of that stuff that, um, I, I, I checked out and actually this came yeah. when, I, when I started to really go underneath it all and, and work through it which has taken a, a long time I realized with those in that moment I didn't want to have another relationship where if I didn't work on this one I'd repeat the same pattern again because that's what yeah. I, was, I was going from one to the next and I and guess what on the surface it did present itself like they started being a dickhead and I'm not putting up with that. Goodbye. 
And that was what it looked like on the surface. Well, we but, can literally create that. Oh, yeah. You can, oh, yeah. You can that was it. That was it. Do so many unconscious things. I mean, what you've talked about, you've covered quite a lot in there, right? You get to the two-year mark and then something happens. It's between two and five years people get to that point, right? And then they play out the cycle. So at that point, you go on the journey of either co-commitment or codependency, right? Codependency is the one where we play out the patterns and people take on roles or we're enabling someone or they're enabling you or you're having these you know continuous fights that are replaying stuff or you're putting your patterning in there's loads of different things that we can all do but it starts at some point in a relationship and it's our ability to recognize that we just got to standardize and normalize this is what's going to happen this is what happens love opens us up to a point at which we're invited in to to evolve we're invited in to to open these old hurts to see them playing out you know to to reset our nervous system love invites us into doing that because we love people we go back for more we fight for the relationship to work we do all these things but people sometimes like they wait to get help when the milk's already gone bad things have expired we've got this is the importance of self inserting self-awareness in our own life awareness of our mentally emotionally physically of how relationships work of the standard patterns that you can go out and you can read a book or you can do a course or you can learn this is the way that it works it's it's not a mystery it's actually all there people have documented it there's loads of science behind it we generationally know scientifically we carry three at least three generations of trauma can be carried in your body yeah so so that's not even your stuff. A lot of the time when I'm working with somebody and we're clearing stuff energetically, the stuff they can't get to that we do through sort of intuiting is not even theirs. They'll recognize it from a gran or a granddad or a pattern that played out. Yeah. Honestly, there's there's so much that's playing unconsciously out. And so it's our ability to see it. And also, not only just do you get to that two-year thing where then we get to the point of intimacy where then you have this relationship with going any further into it right so you self-sabotage or whatever we do we play out our patterns but also people have glass ceilings right they have these limits of happiness mm-hmm. right so you'll be really happy be dead intimate with your partner have a great time and then out of nowhere you'll think you have a horrible argument you don't you don't mm-hmm. it's not if it happens continuously like that it's a pattern there's one of you sabotaging that and there's so much we do. We can create, I know people that have created their own illness and sickness and yeah. people that like create all sorts of sabotaging things where they get fired from a job or they get, you know, like they cause a partner to do the very thing that they expected them to do, like push them until they abandon them or reject them or, yeah. so they can play out their wound. Right? Belief, or, the, the story, I knew this would happen. This is what always happens to me and, Oh my goodness, but it is on I remember um like with my partner, we've been together, it'll be 15 years this year, and we definitely our relationships evolved. And I remember there was something that that sounds like not not this way, but always kept me there, right? It was like, you know, Mm. and the familiar pattern would start to play out. And I was like, right, I I don't want this to play out again because I think Mm. when we start to like accept responsibility like actually that woman said that (laughs) but there was a point to it because hold on when she said that I was like 
actually you're right like okay they're not all princes that was fun but my point was this pattern was starting to play out and when I I I went underneath it I was like actually when I really started to work with my body and you know I work with you a lot on on the different layers there was a real it didn't feel safe to feel fully let love in and so yeah. if it felt really safe, of yeah. course, you would want to run away and think, oh, I have to get away and escape this. Because love, I remember going into it, right, love is, and then the word I said was painful. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Because on the surface, I'm like, I didn't think love was painful. I love yeah. is so well. Oh, but there was a real deep fear there. Love is painful. So of course, if I believe love is painful, I'm not going to really let it in. And when the honeymoon phase, we're not really our true selves, true, true selves in that honeymoon phase, because it's all this like we perform and we please, and it's like, oh, like, oh, this is amazing. But actually, the real us when the layers start to fall away and we're emotionally naked, <laughs> it's like, here I am. This is all of me now. And actually, this doesn't feel safe because my belief. Because love is painful. So actually, I don't want to feel pain. So I'm going to exit. And I couldn't believe it when that happened. And it was like, do you make the, the decision? And this is for anyone in a relationship. If it, Whether it works out with your partner or it doesn't, I think I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. I think the biggest thing you can do is really get to know yourself and understand yourself on a deeper level and what part you're playing on this and what how you're playing this out because if we don't work on this if we don't take that responsibility to work on it we're going to keep repeating the same pattern so whether it works with the person we're with or not as long as we mm-hmm. are working having a conscious relationship we're free if you know what I mean either way we're free whether it works with yeah. that person amazing and if it doesn't Definitely. okay but either way you're free you're free yeah. from Old that's non-attachment that's just saying I'm I'm going to choose not to be in codependency which is really important and and this is what for all of us we need to understand is there's two eyes in a relationship and there's a we and our, our system and society and all this indoctrination and domestication has taught us about what a woman should be and what a man should be and what these ideas of who we should be in relationship and how things need to look And actually, I think just you throw out the rule book of what everyone's told you it's like and you decide as an individual, with that individual, what your relationship needs to look like, what your life looks like, all these kind of things. There's so many different pieces to it. So you start with your I and you understand you're part of a we. Some people had to be independent. They had to be an I. They had to support themselves. They never got that help in the we. They didn't learn to become interdependent, to trust people, all those things. So so they maybe don't think to share their day or something important with you or to have a conversation with you or reflect to you. You know, these these that's more avoidant. Where there's other people, they're all about the we and they're stuck in the we. Like we like this, we like to go here, we like to do that, mm-hmm. you know, we. But but there's two eyes and there's a we. Yeah. And these are separate. And it's really good at understanding that because this means to me, I have to ask, am I being my true I? Am I am I being really true to my I? You know, what is my I wanting? How does my I want to spend the day? Does my I want to spend the weekend? And then we can put that together with with the other person and then find where the we can live as opposed to just always feeling you know 
that we have to do the we or two individual eyes just kind of existing under this umbrella of we but really they're just you know individual eyes totally I think when you said throughout the rule book that's a big thing again the conditions the programs what we're told how we should be yeah. well that's weird if you do it that way that's not right and yeah. it's like whose belief is that you know that, like, like do you do you believe that if you sit with that for a moment and really connect in to 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 you is yeah. that yours or is that someone else's and a lot of the time it's well most of the time it's other people's societies or the the programs and that, that we've taken on and I know Daryl and I we we even we paint the kids differently now you know there's we're not perfect for sure but we have conversations that we didn't have the capacity probably to have 10 years ago six years ago whatever you know oh yeah and it's yeah. like we're now like well actually even simple things like kids don't want breakfast in the morning Daryl's has oh, you need breakfast is the most important meal of the day you can't send them out to school without breakfast and I'm like right, whose belief is that like they're they don't want it you don't want anything in the morning I don't want anything when I first wake up I feel a bit groggy sometimes I need a good couple of hours to let my body and then I tune in I yeah. can this now but that that's that's taking me that took me till I was about 40 to work that one out <laughs> but it's like when we know better, we must do better, I believe. And it's like, well, the kids aren't hungry. They'll, they will eat. They're not going to yeah. stop. But yeah. you tell them, you force up food. Because who made that up? That you need to eat. Well, we, yeah, this is everywhere as well. It's in these ideas of like, say like, you know, we have to go to bed at the same time or we have to, you know, like eat at the same time or we have to, you know, everybody has to do this. Oh, I hate to cut this episode short, but the second part of this episode will be available to you next Friday. I hope that you guys got so much from this first part of the episode with Laura Pringle. Part two will be released next week, so stay tuned, enjoy and have the most incredible weekend.